It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Coming to you from the KFG studios, my name's Mike Bernard. I am one of the certified financial planners on the show. I'm also your host. Thank you for being with us. Here with me, certified financial planner, Josh Gregory. If you are one of the 59 million Americans who either own a small business or work for one, then today's show is for you. That's because small business owners and their employees both have a vested interest in what happens to the business after the current owners or leaders leave that business. Mm -hmm. Today we're joined by attorney Jamie Haig to discuss what you can do to prepare, prepare yourself for the critical transition point in the life of a business. This is stage three of our little mini series on how legal issues impact your personal finances. Thanks for being back, Jamie. If you have a question, we'd love to hear from you. We want to talk about what you're thinking about. Find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there on the right. Call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And lastly, all over social media, you can submit questions. We had one just a few weeks ago uh, on Facebook even. So just send us a message there on Facebook, Wise Money Radio. On YouTube as well, you can find us at Wise Money Radio. You can watch every episode right there. Subscribe to it, like the show, all sorts of things. Jamie's on the program again. He was with us last week talking about how in the world do you structure your small business. And now he's back talking about, all right, well, the other end of that. <laughs> so how do you structure it from the get-go? All right, how do you transition it when it's time to to um, pass it on? Reintroduce yourself for just a moment, Jamie, before we dive in. Uh, thanks. Good to be with you again. <clears throat> Excuse me. I grew up in Seattle, uh, went to Notre Dame undergraduate and law school, was back in Seattle with a firm there, uh, married seven kids, been back in this area. That was seven, years. you just yeah. said. Seven. seven. Busy guy here. With a tired voice and yeah. <laughs> I don't know, big smile. High energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just like Josh shared, we're, we're really glad to have uh, the, the wisdom of Jamie back in the studio to talk about such an important topic that impacts so many of us. If you own a small business or you work at one, it's just critical that the business have a contingency and succession plan, a strategy that keeps the business around if a tragic event occurs or if simply the owners just are ready to retire or maybe make a change. What happens to the business, the customers that it serves, the community that it serves? Um, So, Jamie, before we dive into some of the what, just give us a context as to why this topic is so important. Well, yeah. So a business owner often, you know, there's one business owner or there's multiple business owners and the dynamics are different in those cases. But, um, you know, either way, this is, you know, a big part of the financial uh, well-being of an owner. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a big part of the legacy uh, working. It's a, um, you know, if there's going to be retirement, it's going to fund retirement. If there's a death, it's a valuable uh, asset for heirs. And as you mentioned before, there are employees depending on this job, there are customers depending on the product or service, there are vendors um, who, who are dependent on you. So look, this is something you've worked hard for 
And so think hard about passing it on and getting the benefits of your work for all the stakeholders, uh, including your family. I just read recently that almost 80% of uh, small business owners are counting on the sale of their business to fund their retirement. Mm. Like this, this is the main driver of whether or not they're going to be able to make it in retirement. And the stakes are high for them. But as you point out, it's, it's also important for all the employees that are still going to be continuing on, all those vendors who have been uh, working alongside you. There's just a lot of people that have a stake in this going well. That's right. And, and I would argue, and, and, and I'm going to ask you for a story or some sort of, uh, you know, just share some of your experience, but my guess is it's, it's hard to get right. I've seen that personally in working with clients. It's, it's hard. It takes a long time. Oftentimes, business owners say, no, no, I don't want to talk about that right now. I need to go make today's sale, or I need to go contact this customer. I don't want to worry about that because it takes so much stinking time. Jamie, share some of your perspective, maybe a success story or two, or gosh, I'm assuming there are some uh, stories where maybe it didn't work out so well and why. Yeah, so, uh, right, you know, there's the cost of a professional advisor, but there's maybe a bigger cost in, you know, time spent thinking about it. And as you say, there's opportunity costs. Folks are focusing on, you know, making money, making the business work. This is something where it takes a lot of time and thought and if you have a business partner, it can be uh, subjects that uh, surface disagreements, can be uncomfortable. So there's a lot of reasons why people don't engage and dig into this. It's also very custom for your industry, for your family, mm. other owners. Uh, you know, So it's not sort of a cookie-cutter checklist, go to the internet. Now, there's certainly resources out there that can be really helpful in, in getting thoughts going and, and putting something together so that when you do go to an attorney, you're that much further down the road it's going to be quicker to get it done and less expensive, but it does take you know custom thoughts. So, look, w- one example w- would uh, of something that didn't go right, and the reason I would highlight it is because in this particular case there was thought, there was actually a, a good attorney involved. But imagine it's a situation where you know someone builds a business and passes on the children. Uh, become the owners. We have certain, some children in the business who are depending on that for salary. Their incentives may be to pump their salary up and, you know, and, and take sort of more for themselves, which they may think is fair and say less for the siblings who are not involved in the business. The ones who aren't involved in the business may think, you know, we actually ought to sell this you know, to a, a strategic buyer and maximize our investment rather than keep this money in the business. And so, uh, you know, a fight, a fight develops, litigation, expensive, oh, uh, breakup yeah. of the family, yeah. uh, and really bad feelings going forward for perhaps indefinitely. And so that's not a success, right? Yeah. It's not a success, yeah. uh, even though good thought was put into it. Uh, so it highlights, you know, questions of issues of family dynamics and being realistic about that yeah. uh, in terms of you know, succession planning going well. You know, lots of examples of that. In particular, one would, you know, sort of in relatively easy situations when you have children who are going to be, uh, want to be in the business, who have a skill set that works for the business, and you kind of get them in early, and they get to know the business, and if they get an appropriate education, perhaps they work elsewhere. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for for a few years and and then uh, sort of come back in and take more responsibility over time and transition while the uh, sort of older generation is is alive and monitoring and, and mentoring. That voice you hear is attorney Jamie Haig in the studio with myself and Josh. Uh, so you mentioned something there that kind of stands out to me in that story. And I, I want to ask you if there are kind of core component uh, components that are essential to a, a succession planning going well. And you mentioned time, that the next generation, there was time. Now, I, I'm assuming there's some succession plans that go really well to a third-party transaction, maybe. Um, but but is time one of those essential components to hopefully making sure the, the succession planning goes well? Or what other components are there that you say, this has got to be part of the recipe? Yeah, so... Uh, Right. What is the exit? What is the exit plan? And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you get a third party who's interested in your business and it's very valuable to them and they make you the right offer and you can't refuse it. And and off you go. That's sort of the dream scenario. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Time is, you know, hey, am I going to bring a a next generation up through? Am I going to bring a sort of a trusted, talented employee, train them along where they can take over. Um, Time is one thing. Being realistic, thinking about Mm. the business realistically, the value of the business realistically, the family dynamics with children, um, who can be involved, what uh, sort of safeguards around fairness and the person who's involved in the business versus those who are not. Um, So... Hmm. Being realistic, thinking thinking through things, you know, carefully, um, and you know, taking it seriously. It's a, it's a big part of your retirement, and and so you know, spend time on it. Mm-hmm. And and I think in terms of transitioning ownership, you know, sort of err on the side of generosity in terms of you know. Uh, bringing others into the business. Um, You've got to be realistic about, are you the type of person who works well with others, and sort of knowing yourself? But you know, bringing others into the business so they feel invested, even if it's not voting shares, voting yeah. equity, um, that, that can also sort of expand the pot of the business. Yeah, we're going to get into some of those techniques here or, or some of those details here in just a second and launching off is how in the world do you plan for a great succession in the event of a catastrophe and so we're going to break that down and then talk about all right what about just a normal retirement of the owners or owners want to pass on so we've got a lot more coming up here on wise money with corhorn financial group This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How do you plan well for succession planning for your business in the event of something uncertain happening? How do you do that? We've got that answer with special guest Jamie Haig coming up. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group coming to you from the KFG Studios. My name's Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG Studios, Josh Gregory. And like I said, special guest Jamie Haig. Jamie is with our sponsors. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. If you have any questions about your succession planning, I don't want you to reach right out to Jamie. You can... You can do so by contacting us first. We can get you over there, wisemoneyradio.com, or call or text 574-222-2000. I'll have a moment. We'll talk about it later, but you can find Jamie online at lck-law.com. You can find him right there, bios, all that, and contact info. We're talking about all of you who either own a small business or work for one. 
and how important it is that there's a perpetuation, a succession plan for that business, not only for the owner or owners, but for the employees and for the vendors and for the community and customers that that business serves. It's just critical you get this right. In just a moment, we're going to talk about, all right, well, how do you get it right? What are the what are the pieces? How do you go about getting it right in different situations? But as a blanket, what are some of the kind of basic components of having a successful succession plan? We left a little meat on the bone there, Josh. Well, to me, uh, some of what maximizes the value and makes the transition smooth for a small business uh, transitioning ownership is uh, all the stuff that you're building in your business right now. It's it's putting in place things like repeatable processes or standard operating procedures, things that you've codified into some sort of written manual that uh, if someone else had to step into your shoes, they would be able to run this business like you were, you previously were. Mm-hmm. That maximizes the, the value of that business. Having a leadership team in place, if your business has grown beyond just you and maybe a few employees, um, you know, when one person uh, gets hit by the proverbial bus, it doesn't mean that the whole leadership structure is gone in a case like that. Um, or what about just making sure that the business is well-funded? If you did pass away, is there life insurance that would help uh, inject some cash into the business so that they can find ways to make it, to uh, to struggle along at least with some cash in their hands um, a- as they try to recover from all this? And then, of course, you know, Jamie was talking in our last episode about uh, and in our last uh, segment, rather, about uh, making sure the next owners are ready, you know, investing in them, making sure that uh, they have the experience and the knowledge to be able to step in. Who, who is the backup plan? Those are all parts uh, of what we've seen work well in succession plans in the past. You couldn't be more wrong. I'm just, I can't <laughs> believe both of you guys, very well-educated, <laughs> smart guy, likable, and you're wrong. No, okay, so those are important, but... The most important, you need to have a great attorney on your team to have this discussion. And and Jamie, okay, I of course. So you're humble. You're not going to bring that up. Josh, you blew it, buddy. But no, that I is thought critical. that was obvious. I don't know. So so Jamie mentioned you need to have real, honest conversations. You got to keep value. your sponsors happy. Josh. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. We work with a lot of small business owners. I know a lot of you listening are small business owners. If you're, you, sh- you should start these discussions in your head and with your key employees and the other owners. You need to start having these real discussions. But there, this thing is such a hairball. You're not going to be able to see all angles if you're not talking with someone who's done this a thousand times before. And so I would say your team, getting your team in place is the most important component. A great attorney that you trust, who doesn't do estate planning or whatever, no, they work in business dealings like this. And then you're a certified financial planner, your accountant, maybe have the right team in place to have this discussion. You know, a quick testimonial here. Uh, we're talking about Jamie instead of talking to him right now. But uh, this is one of the things that was a game changer for us at Corhorn Financial Group. When we brought Jamie in and he talked us through um, building in his, uh, into uh, our plans a succession plan. What happens if one of the owners passed away? Or what if one of them became disabled? Uh, what if one of us needed to just leave the business for some reason? Yep. 
these are all important questions that we weren't talking about until Jamie came into our our lives. That's a great segue here because when when I look at start of you know sort of the meat of succession planning, I mean, so why 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 is it? I, I feel like I can cut the reasons right in half. And there's really two broad reasons why succession planning. One is, you know, the good one. The owners are ready to retire or, you know, they just wrote some code and developed a new dance move on Fortnite and can retire or whatever. I don't know. Um, but you can transition into retirement. But then the other one is, is equally as applicable but much more difficult, much more difficult, and that is the owner suddenly passes away or gets disabled or is somehow not able to continue running the operation and a contingency contingency plan needs to step in place. Both of those require great succession planning. So Jamie, let's start with the bad one first. Let's talk about how you plan for succession planning and the event of the unthinkable happening. Yeah, so sorry, so if if there's one owner, you know, you don't have a business partner necessarily, you know, the owner ought to really be talking to, you know, his or her spouse to say, hey, if if I do get hit by the proverbial bus, you know, here, here's what I think you ought to do, right? Work with, you know, the trusted advisors that you have, and, and maybe it's an accountant, a financial planner, maybe it's an attorney, you know, work with them, but also maybe there's a really good friend in the industry who can help sort of step in and provide some advice and or look for a buyer of the business, or maybe there are some employees of the business who have the capability of running in the short term. Have that conversation because if a spouse doesn't know sort of the players, now sometimes they'll have a sense, but you know, have that conversation if there's one owner. If there's multiple owners, um, look, you, you really ought to have worked out any kind of, you know, we'll talk about yeah. it, but I hope, but the but a buy-sell among them. But, you know, the other owners, one, one good thing about have, having business partners is, you know, they can, you know, uh, run the business going forward and it's not left to, you know, a grieving spouse to have to deal with this, you know, a business um, and figure out how to sell it or shut it down. Or, you know, often there's financing with a bank and a personal guarantee and the bank's right. sort of sitting there saying, hey, we need all the money paid back. It can't be done. Is it just going to be a wind down liquidation? Great point. You know, one of the ways that you take the pressure off of that surviving spouse is making sure that you have adequate life insurance in place as well. You know, we, we talked uh, earlier about how many small business owners are counting on the sale of their business to fund their retirement. I, I do not recommend that you count on uh, funding your surviving family's uh, lifestyle and continuation with the sale of that business, because what if it has to be a fire sale? You know, what if there isn't an obvious employee that's working uh, in the business that could run it, or there's not an ideal buyer buyer out there? So making sure that your spouse isn't counting on a big payday from selling this business after you're gone to... Uh, to survive financially, life insurance is the obvious uh, solution to that. What's a buy sell, Jamie? And, and and so let's let's talk about yeah. It. So real quick, I mean that's a great point, but just to follow up on that, it's part of being realistic. On the first points I mentioned, be realistic about the value of the business 
And what's the value of business if you don't exist? Yeah. You know, um, the other thing about life insurance, we'll talk about, yes, absolutely, but you probably also see disability insurance, that a disability event uh, is really one that, so there's no insurance to cover it, but you can't work in the business. And the disability event could be a mental or physical one that, that prevents the operation of the business, depending on the business you're in. It also, and you can't really insure this one so much, but the loss of some license that is necessary um, oh, you know, wow. to operate the business, what happens What right. happens then? Hmm. So those are some things. So buy-sell agreement, look, if you have multiple owners, you got to have an agreement among the owners to, you know, provide some restrictions on transfer of the equity and to provide, you know, optional purchasing, you know, or perhaps mandatory purchasing in a, de- in a death situation, but at least optional purchasing, and, you know, say right of first refusal if someone wants to bring in another owner, because the other owners don't want to sort of have a, uh, you know, an unwanted third party coming into the ownership mix. Right. That's not going to work well. Uh, but to provide for the events that would trigger a right to buy or an obligation to to buy, sell, and some valuation yeah. for that that equity. And if it's in a it's in a bad event or or uh, you know a discount on fair market valuation, right? So if some third party is going to take ownership of the stock because of a bankruptcy, for example, there'd be a right to buy it out to keep that third party from coming in and assist you know operating hmm. the business. But yeah. there ought to be a discount on fair market value, sort of disincentivize that sort of event, and also to take into account really the sort of damage to the business if one of the key you know owners is not there. That does sort of adversely affect the value. The buy-sell is a critical component of this. We're going to talk a little bit more about what it is and how to fund it. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thank you for joining us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Coming to you from the KFG Studios, I'm Mike here with Josh and special guest attorney Jamie Haig. Special thanks to the um, to the folks at Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. We've been talking about how in the world to have success at succession planning. For either the small business you work at, Josh just brought up that perspective, we're going to be touching on more, or if you own a small business, how in the world do you get that right in the event of catastrophe or just retirement and transitioning away? That's where we're right in the middle of If you have questions, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com, or call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. In the event of having a succession plan in a catastrophe sort of situation. Jamie, we left off with talking about how critically important the buy-sell agreement is. And really, it's just uh, it's a, it's a document laid out, usually crafted by an attorney, where it just kind of addresses um, very kind of core components of, in the event of multiple uh, owners, if one of them dies, right of first refusal, and you know what the valuation of the business will be at that time. But what about all the other sorts of contingencies that aren't really about death, where the owner, one of the owners, is suddenly not pulling the weight or not able to continue their work as owner? How do you 
address all of those sorts of situ the, those contingencies, Jamie. Yeah, so usually in the buy sell, there is a um, kind of a list of what you might call triggering events. So events that, if they occur, give rise to the right of the company and or other owners to to buy you out. So you know, death would be one typically, right? And 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 the the overlay on this is in a small business environment, you know, people sort of voluntarily decide to come together and operate a business together. They 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 they. they do that because they want to be in business with a particular person. They don't want to be in business with that person's spouse or with, you know, some third party, maybe even, you know, a competitor wants to buy in, uh, right? So these triggering events would be all the situations where, you know, the equity might otherwise go to a third party. So divorce, right? People don't want to necessarily have to be in business with a business partner's ex spouse. Yeah. Uh, bankruptcy, a creditor comes in, takes takes ownership, uh, heirs, you know, a child, uh, you know, uh, of the person who passed. Um, uh, you know, one, one thing would be also retirement, right? So someone, and, and, and it could be at a retirement age or not, someone just decides right. to not work anymore. Yeah. You know, they got an inheritance elsewhere and they decide to not work and they say, well, I don't really want to come into work, but I still should be an owner of the business, just like I'm an owner of Microsoft. I don't work at Microsoft, right? Yeah. So I'm just going to go sit on the beach on an island, and I'm still going to be an owner. And the others say, you know, say, hey, look, I'm going to, I'm not obviously not going to get a salary because I'm not working, but I still want to, you know, well, do you have to work in the business to to be an owner, or does that trigger, right? And then. It, you know, is it treated differently if you're retiring, say, quitting the business, don't going to do something else at age 45 versus at age 65 after providing your fellow business owners, you know, an, a year's notice and assisting with a transition? You know, those two, two very separate scenarios and how should those be treated? So you're kind of defining really what's fair here. How, how are we going to treat each other if mm. tragedy strikes or if you have a change of heart, you want out of the business, that sort of thing. Um, one of the provisions of the, the buy-sell agreement has to do with the valuation of it, right? Um, if, if you want to retire, if you want to leave the business, if you're going through a divorce, um, maybe it's a different price tag on buying you out depending on what those circumstances are, right? Right. Usually there's a, there's a mechanism. So it could be, hey, you know, we have a default rule and sort of a formula or an appraisal process or something like that we agree is reasonable in the industry. And we've worked with our you know, f you know, financial advisor to come to that. And we kind of have a sense of what's reasonable in the industry. And then perhaps we also have a situation where, hey, we've all agreed on a price you know, that's sort of current in the last year or 18 months. We're going to go with that. So, and, and then there's like, hey, this is fair market value. And then if there's uh, events that are sort of you know, bad acts or involuntary acts, the yeah. buyout price might be a percentage of, of the so fair market discount, yeah. discount so that, yeah. you know, all right, you, you've just immediately vacated. The, now, death is usually one that, you know, you don't want to penalize. Uh, but then you can generally, if people are healthy um, you know, and young enough, you can get life insurance that really covers that well inexpensively. But, you know, if it's an involuntary event and someone just quits, it ought to, you know, that harms the value of the business. So it ought not be 100%. You know, maybe 80% or 75%, 70%, something like that. Well, you may also need to um, structure how the buyout happens differently under these circumstances. Mm -hmm. If someone is going through a divorce or they're retiring, maybe the, the business gets so much time to complete that buyout, it's going to be over the course of five years or something. But uh, in the case of, of death, 
it's often funded by life insurance. So the the very act that caused the this this owner to no longer be with us is also the event that uh, creates cash out of nowhere. So that transaction, that buyout, can happen much more immediately. Exactly. Often there's an um, amount that, that that pays out the the shares, and if there's an amount that's owed over that, it's paid over time, as you say. But sometimes life ins- some of the life insurance goes to the company to you know provide operating cash to sort of get past this episode and transition mm-hmm. so that there's not a cash flow crunch on top of everything else. Because right. look, if you the company has an obligation to buy out a deceased, you know, shareholder, retired shareholder, but if the company doesn't have the money to do it, you know, the, the goose that's laying the golden eggs dies. There's no golden eggs. It's everyone's best interest to keep the business operating and profitable so that everyone can be paid out. The voice you hear mm-hmm. is attorney Jamie Haig talking about succession planning. If you own a small business or work at one and there's no succession plan in place, I, I would just encourage you. I mean, the Wise Money Show is all about spurring you on to take your next wise step. Contact Jamie and his team and start these discussions. This is why I said this is the most important component of a successful succession plan, having the right team in place so you can think about these things and fund these things. It was extremely helpful for us when we were doing this at, at KFG. We had, you know, we're kind of geeks by trade and, you know, nervous Nellies. And so we think about all these bad things that can happen. But Jamie enlightened us with a few other things to to keep in mind, as well as how to value it, fund it, and so on. And so very helpful. Let's let's flip that coin, though. So succession planning event of catastrophe, that's one thing. Buy-sell is extremely important. Can also be important if you're trying to retire and so on. But there are other components or other issues to be aware of when the business owner is um, is doing some succession planning just to retire, just to sell the business or get out of the business. So share, enlighten us a little bit in that circumstance, Jamie, and how that's different. Yeah. So, you know, if if uh, you know, you're operating the business, you're healthy, uh, business has value, and you're thinking about, as you should, uh, being able to monetize that investment, transition out. How's this going to work? So you're looking at, you know, are there key, em- are there children who may want to take it over? That's mm-hmm. one thing. Um, are there key employees who have the ability to do that, or or could with you know time and some training do that? Are there uh, possible third party buyers of this business? And that's probably where you're going to have the highest value, a strategic value that creates synergies for both businesses. Um, and, you know, it, when's the right time? How is the market for value sales? And, and, you know, you may be able to sell to a third party, stay on with an employment agreement, perhaps, you know, keep some ownership in that business. Um, but in all these cases, it kind of goes back to one of the first points was be realistic. Um, do you just really enjoy being the sole voice in the business and having control? Do you, quote, play well in the sandbox with others? Uh-huh. And that's not really an insult. It's just, be, you know, kind of owning that, you know? Do, do I, is I, am I someone who wants to work with a few business partners? Does that work for me? Do I want to kind of work for somebody else? A lot of people who are in business for themselves because... They just don't want to be accountable <laughs> to somebody else, and that's fair enough. It's a tactful <laughs> way of putting that, Jamie. So, so be realistic about about you know what you're going to want to do with your working life that's left, and you just you know if you're gonna if you're going to uh, hey you know and I've I've seen this you know doctor gives you a year to live and. You know, you work for a year and a half, you know, you're working on a Friday and you, you drop dead on a Sunday, you would have gone to work on a Monday. I mean, you know that your life is ending and you're still 
want to be in the business. If that's you, then that's different than somebody who uh, would regret, you know, not being able to have that, you know, RV trip around the country or something right. like that. Uh, a, a big issue there, if you're looking at retiring, give yourself lots of time. I, I want to ask Jamie here how much time he recommends uh, you, you give there. Even if you're selling to a third party or training someone up, you know, is it six years? Is it five years? Is it two years? We've got that as well as a great question from Ryan here from Granger. He is. He wants to keep working, but his business owner, the business partner, wants to retire. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG Studios, special guest attorney Jamie Haig. And between us, as always, Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything... I would point you a couple places. One, you can find the every episode on YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. Two, everything's on podcast, iTunes, Google Play. Just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. That's Corhorn with a K. Lastly, online, wisemoneyradio.com has every episode as well. If you have questions for Jamie, Jamie, how do people find you with business questions, succession planning questions, other things like that? Uh, easiest thing is the uh, uh, website, uh, Ledoux, Kern, and Keene is the law firm, but lck-law.com website, all the contact information is there. Wonderful, wonderful. We've been talking about the importance of succession planning, how to get it right. We've got a couple great questions from business owners here in the community that I am just uh, can't wait to get to. Before we do, a couple additional perspectives to share. If you're a business owner and you're looking to transition your business through retirement. Jamie, just just kind of rule of thumb, when do you start that process? Well, if you're if there's multiple owners, uh, at the point where there are multiple owners, whether it's when the business started or when other owners are being brought in, absolutely then. Okay. Uh, just talk about it then, make sure everyone's on the same page, address the contingencies, and remove these potential uh, you know, uh, occasions of discord, litigation, et cetera, down the road. Get on the same page right away. And then, you know, look, if you're relatively young, maybe you're not talking about retirement yet, but you should in the buy-sell sort of be talking about that, right? In a sense of if someone stops working in the business, what should happen? But, you know, obviously then, you know, uh, if you're a business owner and you own the business uh, outright, you know, look, five years down the road, you, I mean, you're thinking about retirement, but, you know, health becomes an issue at these points. Yeah. And retirement, mm-hmm. you know, life happens and the retirement may be a little bit sooner. One thing, if you're thinking about selling to a third party in these things, you know, ha- have a third party who's sort of familiar with that process, basically a financial person, kind of look at your books and prepare your books. If you've been running the business to really kind of run a lot of expenses through and minimize, you know, profits and, you know, small business owners do that. Well, you know, you can't really flip that around and maximize the sale price, right? right? And and, and Josh's point earlier about, you know, get get a get a get process in place, get processes in place. And, you know, business purchasers of business want to come in, they want to see all the agreements, they want to see processes, they want to see clean books. That's how you're gonna maximize 
that value. So get things in place so that you do have that option. You know, I had a client uh, come to me about five years ago. He knew that he wanted to retire and he needed to sell his business. So we started building his retirement plan and, and began those types of discussions. And uh, just last year, he ended up selling to uh, a third party, another uh, company that was larger than him in his industry. They wanted to expand into his geography, right? And that was the way, as you said, that was the way he maximized the, the price tag, but it wasn't his first choice. His first choice was a key employee who was a general manager. He really wanted to sell to this guy. And he put a lot of things in place as the business owner to make it easy for that uh, that key employee, that, that manager, um, gave him phantom stock, gave him some financial incentives, gave him big salary with bonuses, trying to put him in a position where he could afford to do it. But that employee didn't didn't take the necessary steps in his own personal financial planning to get debt cleaned up, to get some other goals uh, in place so that he was uh, able to even afford mm. to, to pay the price tag. And it, it's unfortunate. Now that key employee is a key employee of the buyer instead of him being the buyer himself. So if, if you're listening today and you, you think, man, I'm, I'm not the business owner. Is this show even for me? Well, you could be someday. If you're investing in yourself, preparing yourself to be able to help run that business, um, you know, be a trusted employee. My bet is that many business owners out there would prefer to be able to pass it on to the person or people who helped build the thing in the first place. Right. They're going to keep workforce in place. They're going to, you know, maintain the employees. You sell to a third party, they may shut it down. They may move it. They may, you know, lay people off or whatever. So, yeah, to your point, if you're an employee and you're in a situation where I really want to be an owner of this business and, and or, you know, hey, if it's not. If it's not going to happen for me here, you know, maybe maybe I need to look at some place where it may happen for me. Uh, you know, have that conversation. You know, say, mm-hmm. look, I'd really like to become an owner of this business, and there's ways to become an owner, have actual equity, where you're say non-voting stock, or whether the voting percentage is such that the primary business owner isn't giving up control, but you're bringing someone into the business with, you know, even an S corp, you can have non-voting. You can have no, non-voting shares, mm-hmm. so and you know it can be it can be funded sort of with bonuses so over time, so that the ownership percentage increases over time, and so that the when it comes time to buy, there's less money you know oh because you've been you've been paying over time, mm-hmm. so uh, you know phantom stock's a good thing, which is really kind of a you know a bonus you know payments that are equivalent to what you would get if you did own a certain percentage of shares. That's a good option, but you can also do with actual equity and you know. Uh, employees, that's a, that, that shows ownership and interest in the, yeah. in the business. That's not going to be Motivate. poorly received at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great perspective. Jamie Haig, uh, attorney at Ledoux Kerning Keen. Uh, all right. We've got a couple great questions here. I'm hoping to get to both of them, but let's start with Ryan. Ryan's in Granger. He says, my business partner's ready to retire, but I'm not. I don't really want to take out a big loan to buy him out, but I don't really want to sell the entire business to a third party either. What do I do? That's a tough one. That yeah. is a tough one. My first thought goes to, well, is there another key employee in the firm that you'd want to be business partners with? Mm-hmm. Because that seems to jump off the page to me, and I'm not the expert, so Jamie, uh, I don't know if I distill your answer or if I'm way off on this, but I like that idea because maybe it's someone who already knows the business, already knows the values, what you guys are about, 
And I think the buyout where you're saying, I don't want to take out a big loan, if it's another key employee coming to buy out the partner and then be 50-50 with you, I'm assuming that maybe can be structured where the business can pay in installments or something like that. You might have more options. So my first thought is, is there another employee at the firm that you'd want to promote and have them buy out the partner instead of you having to do it. Yeah, exactly. So so that that would be one. Another thing would be to sort of expand that a little bit. Is there somebody else that you know well in the industry? So maybe not an employee here. Maybe they're, uh, uh, you know, at a, at, a, at a competitor or whatever. Uh, is there someone you want to be in business with, you're comfortable with? Um, so that, that would be the same. That would be sort of the, this, along the same lines, though. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, the essentially you can, you know, agree on a price right now, and maybe there's a down payment. Mm-hmm. And then an agreement on payment over time, and, uh, and right. essentially they're paid out, you know, from the profits of the business, but they don't have any risk. And uh, well, they have a risk that the, the company can produce the money, of course, but they have that risk if they're still, you know, if they're still in, in business as well at the company. So, yeah. um, you know, or, or look for a third party. I know he doesn't want to sell to a third party, but look for a third party, perhaps coming in where you can get an employment agreement and you feel good about the the uh, you know and or perhaps some some ownership of a larger company where you get, uh, you know, sort of be a smaller part of a bigger enterprise. Hmm. Um, Okay. Let's really quick get to this next one as well, although it's really tricky. Sean from South Bend. I run an S-Corp with another individual, 50-50, the past 20 years. About two years ago, he was injured on the job, and he hasn't been able to return much since. While I feel terrible for him, his absence has created a big challenge in the business, and I'm having to carry far more of the burden. Do I approach him to buy him out? What if he's not interested in that? Can I force him to make a change? That's a great question. That is tough. You, you know, uh, underscoring this, I, maybe I would frame this question for you, Jamie, as are there certain rights for a shareholder that are just kind of spelled out in state statutes or something? Or did they need to have some agreements in place to be able to deal with this contingency? I mean, is there anything that the um, the healthy business owner can really do uh, in, in a situation like this? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the easiest thing is, gosh, this should have been addressed up front. Everyone gets on the same page. Everyone realizes what's reasonable. And it makes the conversation a lot easier to say, hey, here's what we all agreed to when we didn't know who might be in this situation. Let's do this. Go forward. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, look, uh, it's, you know, co-owners in a small business are fiduciaries of each other. You know, they owe each other loyalty, that sort of thing. You don't owe, you don't owe your business partner a, a salary. So, um, you know, if they're not earning it, they ought not get it. Now, look, it's sort of generosity is, is a good thing, and certainly, you know, business owners carry each other past, you know, health health crisis and that sort of thing. But the uh, implied rules for LLC, this might be, S-Corp could be an LLC or could be a corporation. The rules look slightly different uh, in terms of the, um, what the implied rules of the state are, uh, mm-hmm. state statute. But, um, well, look, it's, it's very reasonable to say, look, we're not entitled to equal uh, salary just because we're equal owners, right? We're, we ha- if it's, yeah. an S- it's an S-corp, the distribution of profits have to be equal, but the salary doesn't, and it has to be a reasonable salary you know, for what's being done. Yep, great point. Great point. Thank you, Jamie, for being on the show. On behalf of Jamie Haig, Josh Gregory, myself, and all of us at KFG, see you next week for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.